you're visiting today, we're glad uh, that you're here. We started a series on the Lord's Prayer about two weeks ago. Jesus' disciples uh, knew that he was a unique person, fully God and fully man, but indeed, as a human being, he had to learn obedience to be your substitute. And one of the things that they saw about Jesus was that he was unlike anybody that they had ever met in the sense that he often wanted to get alone to pray. Maybe perhaps they heard him pray some over, uh, maybe over the, the through the uh, grove of trees or wherever he went to pray. But they, they observed him praying. And they're observing a lot of things about him. So they said to him, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Would you teach us how to pray? Uh, And when Jesus responds, he says, when you pray, he doesn't say pray after uh, these words. He says, pray after this manner. And what he does is he gives uh, what some have called the perfect prayer, that there's six petitions uh, that are there. And so we're going to be looking at that. Uh, Today, I I really want to look at just uh, the address uh, to our Father in heaven. So if you would, I would like for you to, to read along with me in Matthew Uh, Jesus says, and, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father, who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Uh, This is God's uh, holy and inerrant word. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you are indeed the the God that we can know, the God who is willing uh, for us to call you Father through Jesus Christ. Father, I know it is my desire as a minister of the gospel that those who maybe don't know you as Father would, would know you as Father. And Father, for those who profess you, uh, Lord, as Father, but have not been able to hook into the realities of that in their lives in such a way that they are not settled and still. Lord, would you use uh, the feeble um, preaching of men uh, to help them see that you are for them. And Father, I pray that for all of us, especially as the people here at Redeemers, we have so many challenges to reach the city, that you would teach us all how to pray together, to know you, to serve you. 
And so, Lord, we pray that in our time together that you would be kind and gracious and speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, When I became a Christian 40 years ago, I immediately was intuitive that I had moved from being a confessional Christian, one who believes in the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I believed it. I could recite it. Uh, To one who, by God's grace, pursued me and revealed the God behind those confessions. And immediately I understood and became aware that I was no longer to follow a set of rules, uh, but the one who gave the rules and uh, was willing to be crucified, to live under those rules and to be crucified on my, my behalf. I mean, that's exactly what the gospel is. That's what it, what it teaches. You see. So with that reality, I was, I was compelled to rethink uh, at an early age, as a late teenager, uh, how I would live my life before it was easy. I believed in the confession. I believed that Jesus was God and, and uh, that somehow he's the ruler of the universe and when I die, hopefully he'll take me to eternal life and there's something beyond death. But for all impractical intents and purposes, uh, I was going to live my life, you know. So you're either living for God's glory, this amazing gospel, or you're living for your own. There, there's kind of no in-between on that. There really isn't. And so I thought it was necessary to challenge my newfound faith. I thought it was necessary. In fact, as I started reading the scriptures, Jesus says that very clearly. He he says that uh, you need to consider the cost. For for a man uh, is foolish who would take up the plow and then not finish plowing. He's not worthy of the kingdom of God. Uh, so he's, uh, he's uh, pretty much challenging us as Christians. And I realized as a young man that, wait a minute, this is more serious than I thought. This is, a, this is an all or nothing deal. This is either life and you see, and the more you see is, the way you see is by dying to self. It's just everything's inverted, I'm just telling you, in the kingdom of God. And so for that reason... I began to challenge that by reading, uh, by spending time with other non-Christians and asking them why they believe what they believe and why do you not believe the gospel and not just trying to share with them but tr- try to figure out why do they not believe and why do you not believe today? And I also read a number of books. Uh, when I was at Furman University, I took a lot of uh, religion professors who hated the gospel, okay? Uh, that might shock you. But they were trying to jerk out of me this notion that I should give my life to this. Now, the reason I tell you all this is one of the books I read along the way was a book by Bertrand Russell. I think he wrote this book in the 1930s, but he wrote a book called Why I'm Not a Christian. (laughs) And then in the very first sentence, in the very first paragraph, he said, before I kind of tell you why I'm not, let me, I need to, to define what a Christian is because a term is used very loosely these days. And so he said, now, when I'm talking about a Christian, I'm not talking about the modern, uh, the modern Christian stuff. I'm talking about the ancient stuff, the stuff of people who say you have to be born again and who believe in miracles that Jesus Christ was actually born of a virgin and uh, that he was uh, crucified for sins and he was raised from the dead. Uh, I want to argue against those. 
And so my question this morning, as we, as we think about prayer, okay, as you think about prayer, uh, is what is a Christian? Because you see, if you study the scripture, a Christian is not someone who decides to be a Christian. But it is, according to 1 Peter and the Apostle Peter, one who is born of a divine seed. I mean, that is, you're made alive. All these benefits that Christ has come to give us is only activated by faith, which is a gift of God. And the word Christian is used rather loosely these days, would you say? So I would suggest to you this, that a Christian is someone who sees prayer as a vital part of their life. And when they do pray, they call God Father. I mean, this thing, they really do go hand in hand. Now, a lot of religions pray. As a matter of fact, Jesus in the text we read, the reason I want to read it all, he says, hey, don't be like the Gentiles, don't be like the pagans, who for their many, many words think they'll be heard, but you, but you, when you come in private, your Father in heaven knows, your Father knows. Uh, most of half the world, uh, their the view of God is he's not knowable anyway, so why pray? Uh, those who are theists, um, those who are the Islamic faith, I'm telling you, and I'm being fair about this, if I sat down and, and, and we had a Muslim here and we were to say, do you call God Father? They would say, no. <laughs> you don't call, God is Allah. He is, he is the all-powerful one. How dare we would ever, as sinners, call God our Father. Uh, the Jews at the time of Jesus, I mean, it's interesting. You look throughout the, the, the Old Testament, and, and not from Genesis all the way to Malachi, you do not see anyone calling God Father. Now, Israel is known as God's son. It's not until Jesus comes on the scene. But th- what Jesus was saying to his disciples in, in their minds is absolutely mind-blowing. It's revolutionary. And then uh, there are those who today that would say they believe God. Maybe you're here today and you're an agnostic and you, you have these ideas about God. Uh, and it's a form of deism. Let me give you an example of that. Um, <laughs> several years ago, probably six or seven years ago, I had one of the deans of the university call me and said, hey, I've heard your name and Redeemer and y'all doing this and that and the other and uh, we would love for you to come pray for the commencement speak at Sanford Stadium. I said, that's awesome. I'd love to do that. And I'm getting ready to hang up the phone. He said, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I said, okay, what? He said, uh, now when you pray, you can't pray in Jesus' name. You, you, you got to respect all the religions that are out there. And I said, well, I, I, listen, I appreciate what you're saying, but I can give you the telephone number of a Unitarian. Because... I believe he created you that I'm talking to. And everybody that's in there is created by him. Albert may be in rebellion, but God in his grace, he sends a redeemer to redeem us. But you see, the Christian name for God is Father. God 
if you're a Christian, is your father. Let me stop and ask you, is that pretty amazing? Is your father. So a Christian is someone who prays, and when they pray, they do pray, they pray, our father, our father, our dear father, Abba, Daddy, who art in heaven. Any of y'all need to pray that way? Any of y'all need to know that he's there and he's your father? Robert Murray McShane said this, what you are in prayer is all that you are and nothing more. And you really want to know what a Christian is. Uh, just find someone who is constantly in their life, they're, they're, they're seeing their absolute constant need of God being their father. Because we have a tendency to run out of gas. We have a tendency to screw things up. And so God is our father. Now let me tell you that my goal in the weeks that I have, my goal in no way is to go, yeah, y'all are probably terrible at prayer. I mean, I, it doesn't take me much for me to make y'all feel guilty, now does it? You know why? Because you're guiltier in sin anyway. So am I. And so God, through Jesus Christ, comes to us today, and if you're a Christian, he says, I want you to pray because I am your father. I didn't send my son to shed his blood so that you can live in spiritual poverty. And if you're not a Christian uh, this morning, my question to you is, where do you go for comfort? Where do you go? Just work harder, try harder, perform harder? I mean, the, that confession that, we, we, that Marshall led us through, the Psalm 51, who, who does God delight in? Those who are broken and contrite. Those who say, Father, I have kind of messed up my piggy bank again. And he says, bring me that piggy bank. But I'll put more in there. Matter of fact, bring five piggy banks. I really do believe that's what God wants for us. And so this morning, as we look at just this, this word, our Father... Uh, and I'm not used to preaching sermons like this. Anybody knows me, I need like eight or nine verses so I can exegete it. And I've got one, like two words. <laughs> That's not easy. I feel like, okay, I have to preach a, a, a topical sermon. But I want to talk about our Father. And here's what, as I looked at this, as I thought about this, I read a lot about it. One is I want us to see the privilege, the privilege, if you're a Christian, that we can say our Father. And then I want us to see the, the, this, these amazing implications if you begin to understand what kind of father he is, what that means for you. And then finally, I want to ask a question, how do you know if he's your father? Okay. And so I have to get going here. First is this. Think of the privilege of calling him our father. Now, let me tell you, as I started looking at this, and I started reading other commentators on this, and I mean, people have been writing on this for 2,000 years, Augustine and Cyprian and all these guys. All of them comment on the fact that it doesn't say, my father. It says, our father. 
Now, as I've thought a lot about church doctrine and, and ecclesiology and how we do church in America, I really think we have it all goofed up. Because that's how we preach. That's how we teach. What does Jesus mean to me? And so you go hear a sermon, and you try to apply it in your own life, and, and this is what God means to me. And, and, but let me tell you what. It, it is here on purpose that Jesus says, Our Father. You see... Um, if you have the ear of God, it is because you have been adopted through Jesus Christ. Paul says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you're sons, God has sent the spirit of a son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The significance of the story of the prodigal son. You've ever heard the story of the prodigal son? And all the focus is around, hey, this guy that's really screwed up and God has mercy on him. But a lot would suggest that you should call that parable the parable of the elder son. Because you see, you have this comparison between uh, Jesus uh, and the Jews who were like the fathers of the faith at that time. And here's a, a, someone who has absolutely bankrupted themselves. They didn't want the father. They wanted his stuff. They went out. They blew it. And what's really amazing is the prodigal says... Maybe my father will receive me. And I can be a servant in his house. And of course, so he comes back and the, and the father is, 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 runs after his son. And then you have this older son, right? This older son who is upset about it. Why? Because this guy has blown it all. My brother, and you're going to give him again part of my inheritance. When I worked hard for you, what have you done for me? Those are religious people, by the way. And, and what was the response of the Father? You've always had me. You've had me. And so Christ is the older brother who has given up the entire inheritance. I mean, this is gospel 101. This is Christianity 101, that Jesus, God, was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. You know what the word reconcile means? Bank statements. You ever had to reckon? Well, I'm so glad for Aren't y'all glad for internet banking now? Seriously, for you younger people, you have no idea. For us older people, it would be, oh, man, I'm 10 cents off. And what I say, it really doesn't matter. It's what the bank says. And I need to be, like, on the same page with the bank. But God has reconciled the accounts in Christ. He, he gave everything up so you might have an inheritance. I'm telling you, it, 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 this is so amazing. Let me tell you why it might not be amazing to you, even though some of you have been hearing this many, many, many times, is because you really don't believe you have this bank account, this righteousness of Christ. But, but let me say this. So he adopts us. We're adopted into the family. 
And let me tell you what makes Christianity different than any other religion in the world. It's when you get united to Christ, we get united to each other. So it's our Father. I mean, we're all in this together, aren't we? That we're part of the family of God where we cry out our Father. Let me tell you what that means. We all have responsibility to each other. You know why a lot of you don't join the church? You know why a lot of you just kind of come? and, and Because when you kind of join with each other, you're responsible for each other. Like a lot of you young people say, well, I'm not into organized religion. I'm into spirituality. Well, just say, I'm into doing what I want to do. Do you know it costs money to run this building? Do you know that? Do you know that it costs money to have downtown ministries, downtown academy? Do you know in about a month from now, and y'all can start praying about it, we've got to raise hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars so we might minister to the poor? So we need our Father, don't we? That we're all in this together. I could say more about that, but let me tell you, there are people in our, in, in our congregation right now who are sick. We have people with cancer. And we need to be praying for them. You know why? We're to, to rejoice with those that rejoice. Hey, a baby's born in one, in, in one floor, and I go down to the next floor, and somebody's going to be operated on for a serious problem. I mean, so what do you do? Well, you weep with those that weep, and you re- rejoice with those that rejoice. We're all in this together. Now, let me ask something. Do you know how many lonely people there are here at Redeemer? Go home on Sunday afternoon and don't have a husband, don't have a wife. Maybe they're divorced. But, but God is our Father, and so maybe uh, very practically it would be go, hey, you know what, why don't we have them over? Or if you're like a married couple, and you enjoy being with married couples, you know, you go out to dinner together. How about inviting some of them? Would that be a good idea? But he's our father. Uh, there are people here who've taken, I mean, unbelievable made sacrifices. It blows my mind. And you know what's very discouraging is when people make sacrifices and others aren't even thinking about it. But to be in it together. And again, I'm not saying, listen, we're in it together. Y'all see that? That's number one, point number one. God is our Father. Now, point number two, notice the incredible implications of God being our Father. Well, I can't really point to a particular verse. I can only go, oh, He's our Father. (laughs) Okay? He's our Father. Look at it this way. I I really want you to understand, especially maybe you're not a Christian today, you're visiting for the first time, you don't really understand all this uh, adoption stuff. Okay, but think about it this way. We want justice. We want, God, we want to have justice in our, in our society, don't we? It's good. It's good. It makes things kind of somewhat civil. But imagine that you're an orphan, and, uh, and all the money's running out, and, and uh, you have no money, and you're, just a, you're a street urchin. And if you come with me to Africa, right? Some of y'all have been to Uganda. You'll find them. Matter of fact, I heard some missionary said, yeah, I went over there to teach Bible, and now I have 30 children. God had other plans. These children, I'm telling you, they, they, they put them in prison just to know what to do with them. So you're an orphan. And you get caught stealing, stealing bread, and then you go to, before the judge, and you're stealing all kind of stuff. So you finally get caught. They bring you into this judge, and you're guilty, right? 
And so the judge knows, uh, well, you know, I feel sorry for the kid. I'll pay his debt. That has to be paid. So the judge goes down, takes the wallet out, he pays the debt. Y'all have heard that before. That's what Christ has done. That's what God's done for us, right? Death's paid. But that judge knows if he sends that kid right back out there, he's going to be starving again. And he's going to be right back in there, and then his debt will have to be paid again. And so what the judge says is, young man, I tell you what, I want you to go have a seat right over there until I get through carrying out sentence on everybody. And so after it's over, the kid stays there, and the judge says, could you come with me for a minute? And he takes him back into the back room here, into where the judges go back behind that room, you know. And he says, son, I tell you what, I would like to adopt you. And I would like to take you home with me. And I'll be your father. And you'll never have to steal or beg again. That's the gospel. You see, all of a sudden, if you're to understand what prayer is, you've got to understand the basis of your relationship. Is that it, and if you're not a Christian, this is not the case. And, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But you have to understand... If you're a Christian, that God is now your father. And we talked about this last week. Remember we talked about how all, all relationships are based on some kind of, uh, uh, there, there's something that's based on that, on the relationship. Uh, if, if, uh, you know, if I was lost uh, and somebody drives up to me and uh, drives up and, and I ask them, can I get directions? And they roll down the window. And I say, hey, could you tell me where so-and-so is? And they were like, yeah, sure. That would be the basis of the relationship. But if she were like had a, like had a lunch in her pocket or in, you know, or in her lap and she was eating a sandwich, I, I, I probably shouldn't say, hey, could I have a bite of that sandwich? Then if it was my friend and, and you know, he comes up, I, I might say, hey, Bob, can I have a bite of your sandwich? He says, heck no, I can't. No, man, it's my sandwich. But if it was my mother, and I said, hey, honey, can I have a, um, honey, mom, can I have a, <laughs> you, know, you know your wife won't give you a bite, no, <laughs> just teasing Mary Beth. Uh, if if uh, you say to your mom, hey, mom, can I have a bite of your sandwich? You know what she'd do? She'd say, honey, let me, what do you want? Me? Have the sandwich. Why? Because of the basis of the relationship. I have four children, and I'll tell you one of the greatest things uh, in the world that happened to me was becoming a father. All of a sudden, all this stuff starts making sense. But uh, I've not only been a father to my sons, I've coached my sons, right, sons? Coaching baseball, coaching, ba- uh, not basketball, I don't know anything about that, football. And, uh, and so we actually, I coached some high school football with Mike Editor, who, who's here and, uh, and so, you know, coaches want their sons to win. They, I mean, they, you know, coaches can really put, push their sons and, and uh, not their sons, but their players. And so I was his coach, or Robert's coach, Jack's coach. Uh, but, you know, if they had a bad game, we're riding home. You know what I want to do as a father? So, hey, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's just a game. But I didn't have that relationship with some, some of the other players I know in this room that, I, that played for me. And I love them. I didn't have that relationship. I love my sons. 
I love my daughter. That's the basis of the relationship. God's our Father. You know, my kids, uh, I probably said this before, but when they used to say, hey, Dad, can I stay up, you know, and go out in the neighborhood with so-and-so? And I'm like, no. And they say, well, why not? And I'm like, well, because uh, why are you asking? Well, all the other kids are getting to do so-and-so. And I said, okay, so what's their last name? That's not your last name. Let me tell you, your father knows best for you. I'm sure for somebody, you're going, God, if you're my father, I have, man, I have no idea what's going on here. And when I was about eight years old, I remember I became a cynic, eight years old. If you're younger than eight years old, or if you're older than eight, but just a little bit, listen to this. Because you can become as an eight-year-old that you don't think God's your father. He doesn't care about me. I remember I lost a, a paper that I wrote. You know, you're 10, eight years old. And I started praying that, God, please, God, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to be humiliated. Would you please let me find my paper? Would you please, 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 please? And guess what? I didn't find it. And I immediately started going, well, you're not real. Eight years old, becoming a cynic until God in his mercy revealed himself. You're a cynic until God has mercy upon you and he is not obligated, ladies and gentlemen. But if you see yourself as a poor orphan, Lord, have mercy upon me. Didn't we read that in our text? Who does he desire? Those who are broken and contrite. He'll be your father. Well, I do have to ask one question, and we need to close here. Well, how do you know? How do you know if he's your father? That's very important because either you're a Christian or not a Christian. either, Either you're delighting in the father or you're frustrated with the father or you're talking to the father, but you know he's your father. And the difference is this. Somebody said that there's two kinds of religions. There are those who use God and those who serve God. And a user of God is someone who says, what do I need to do to get the blessing? Kind of like we use each other, don't we, sometimes? Well, honey, I married you because I thought I was going to get this out of you. Versus, no, I married you because I'm committed to you. And wow, you know, this is who you really are, whatever it may be, but I'm here, I'm, I'm here to serve you. See, users of God are always frustrated and angry and, and just don't really pray. If you don't pray, you're, you're a user of God. Maybe you're like me when I was eight years old. You gave up on a long time ago. But then there are those who serve God. And what is the difference? The difference is this. You've met the Father. You know, and let me close on this. Yeah, let me, I need to close here, but, uh, uh, you know, when, when you, um, when you're praying and, uh, your prayers are, uh, a little bit more like the petitions, uh, the first thing you do, you start praying, man, I need this, I need that. Does anybody need any stuff today? Any of y'all need anything? Anybody need a little bit more money, a little bit more time, a little bit more health, a little bit, you name it. So you go right straight to petitions. But you see, I think what the essence of, of one who has discovered God as the Father are those who go, I want your name to be hallowed. 
Now, why? And, 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 and I close on, on this. Um, you know, a lot of times we talk, uh, we pray, oh, Holy Spirit, oh, Jesus. And I haven't really studied that out yet. Like a lot of people pray, oh, Jesus. I, I, I don't have a problem. If you do that, that, that's fine. But let me tell you what I think we miss. Is that the reason Jesus came is because the Father loved us and gave his Son. And the reason Jesus came is so God might be your Father. What does it really mean to be a Christian? You pray. And you pray to God as Father. And the essence of that is you really want God to be hallowed. That he is lifted up. No matter what it costs you. Because you have the Father. Are you born again? You can't make yourself try harder. The only thing you can do is say, Lord, would you have mercy upon me? I haven't known what he's talking about. And then about that time, you'll know if you give yourself to him. Let's pray.